0: We have all kinds of catchy phrases that come up during this time, which include includes one that I heard yesterday. I had never heard this before. Maybe you have. I'm just a little slow. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, the Easter basket may be full, but the tomb is empty. Have you heard that before? No? All right. So I'm not the, the only one. I'm like, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we're all in that shed unsharpened. <laughs> There's even a Christian band that is called Third Day, and it's a Christian band. You know, so, you know, it's like, that is the day. That's the day. You know, there is Friday, and the title of Friday's message was, Thank God for Friday. Well, thank God for Sunday, because without Sunday, Friday would have no power whatsoever. Many have posted on their social media today, this, this morning, trying to beat everyone else, right? I think you guys got up like at three o'clock in the morning, set your clocks, and put on there, he is risen in big old capitals on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, tweeted it, like all of that, or maybe you set it up on auto, right? But everyone is posting, he is risen, and of course the response is, he is risen indeed. The question that we need to answer this morning is for each and every one of us, is what do you see? What do you see? We have all kinds of people that were there at the time of Christ's resurrection. By the way, they each saw something different, or at least they thought they saw something different. Do you truly see a risen Savior? And if so, who is he to you? Is he the risen Savior of the Bible, or one that the world has made up and has influenced you with? Because there are so many views and perspectives of Jesus that the world has had influence on and in and has just spoken into the church. I tell you, that needs to be completely done away with. We need to go strictly to the word of God and see who this Jesus is. Not the one that we make up in our minds or even in our hearts. The heart is deceitful and wicked, the Bible tells us, who can know it? So we can't even trust our own heart. We have to trust the very word of God. Who is he to you? A God who is there to be who you want him to be. In other words, uh, whatever needs you have at the moment. um, You know, he's there to meet those needs. A God who makes you a better person, perhaps, but you have doubt as to everything that is written about him. Or the God who loves you, forgives you, and offers you grace and hope that lives in you now and for eternity? Is that the Jesus that you know? Because although we may become, quote-unquote, better people, the Bible still tells us that that there's none righteous, no, not one. So the only one who is good is God, right? Is he there to just give us everything that we want? And the answer is, of course, No, at this point, I know it's like, okay. No, he's not, we're not here for that. We're not here for that, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? But we can all be guilty of it, right? We can. We are inclined to be self-centered. We are inclined to ask things for ourselves, to live our lives for our glory, not his glory, to even celebrate this day. More for what comes after church than the celebration that happens during church. This is where it's all at right here. Everything else is all icing on the cake. And by the way, all of that should be a blessing and a time of glorifying the Lord. And celebrating this very thing that we're going to talk about this morning. D.L. Moody said, quote, A rule I have had for years to treat the Lord Jesus Christ as a person, friend, He is not a creed, a mere doctrine, but it is he himself that we have, close quote. How you answer this question, what do you see, is important because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 and 13, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The person who believes confesses who Jesus is. By the way, there's, there's no really such thing as a closet Christian. There, there can't be. Because the moment you realize that you are forgiven of all your sins that it is God's grace that was poured out upon you, you can't help but live out that new life. You can't help it. Like, well, I'm just going to go to work and let them see that I'm a good person now. Remember what I said earlier? Who's good? I want to meet you if if you're good in here. Real quick. No, you know, we all put our hands down. So it's not about that, right? It's about God's grace. We're forgiven. And it just, we can't hold it up. I remember if anyone would want to just hold it back and just, just, just let them see Jesus in me. Well, they should see Jesus in you, but they also he- hear Jesus in you. It should be spoken. Let them know who Jesus is. That they too would have the opportunity to respond to the gospel, to the good news. No, the person who believes confesses who Jesus is, proclaims it from the rooftops, does not hold back. Lives it and talks it. What do you see? We're going to look at 3 different perspectives, you could say. Number 1, and it's all in scripture. Number 1, do you see a dead redeemer? Number 2, do you see alternatives? Or 3? Do you see a risen and alive Savior? And I pray that you see the third, a risen and alive Savior. So before we get into the word, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we commit this morning into your hands, Lord. We ask, Father, that you would help us to see who indeed you are and how much you loved us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die on the cross in our place. He is the full payment of all of our sins, past, present, and future. All we have to do is, as we believe, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, and we shall be saved. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to obey, Father, to understand, and to respond this morning in true celebration of what this day means. Thank you, Lord, for conquering sin on the cross and death the moment that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So, Lord, we commit this morning into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, number one, let's take a look at this perspective a dead redeemer. In Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, if you have your Bibles, please turn there to Luke chapter 24, verse 13. We're not going to verse 1. That is the story of the resurrection. But this is, happens on the same day, this very thing. All right. So Luke chapter 24, verse 13. says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, that is two disciples of Jesus Christ, about seven miles from Jerusalem they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? I love this because, um, you know, like within the family, um, I can ask leading questions. Jesus does that with us. Like when he asked Peter, "Who do you say that I am?" Yes, leading questions. Why? Because what you have in your heart needs to be revealed and has, needs to come to the surface, right? So he asked these questions. So he asked them, "What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk?" And they stood still. Can you imagine they're walking, walking, and, and here comes Jesus, and he asked them this question, and they stop, like this perplexed look on their face. Because check out what they say next. Where was I? 18? All right. 19? 18? All right. 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? Oh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Right? All right. My eyes aren't that great. I need like 10 times more lighting up here. Uh, But it looks cool. So we'll keep it like that. (laughs) And they stood still, looking sad. Again, you know, here's that, that look. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Love this. Here's Jesus speaking to his disciples. (laughs) What things? You tell me. And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, you got that right. A man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped... That he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since those things happened. Ding, 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 ding. Can you imagine? Like Jesus was like, it's the third day. It's the third day. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. they were telling us that Jesus. How many times have we done that? Oh, let me tell you your story. I'm right here. Oh, he's alive. Show it in your life. I I have faith. Walk it out. Faith without works is dead. Here were these disciples that were just so bummed out. I mean, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was proclaimed by him a time and time and time again. Over and over. And here were his disciples that knew this. And they're saying, "Ah, uh, yeah, some people told us this." And even some disciples, some other a couple of us went and found it just as the women had told us, just like that. By the way, it was John and Peter. We'll talk about them later. You know, here it is, the third day. The tomb's empty. It is, right? It is. It sure is. But what was happening here on this morning? It was the same day. They were seven miles out of town. False expectations. That's what happened. On the very day that Jesus resurrected from the grave and these disciples had heard the report from the women who had witnessed the empty tomb and were reminded by the angel... Of what Jesus had told them. It was nothing that was heard third party on down the line. It was Jesus who had told them over and over. This is what was going to happen. That he would rise from the grave after three days. They were bummed because Jesus had died. Yeah. He said he would die. But he also said something else. Keep going in that. False expectations. You see, Cleopas was a spokesperson of these two who were... On their way to Emmaus, being quick to express exactly what they were expecting from Jesus Christ to be their redeemer, but not as you and I know, our redeemer from the clutches of sin and its consequences to being redeemed unto unto God through Jesus Christ. He was for them their redeemer. At just the present time. To relieve them of their earthly oppression under Roman rule. To give them their best life now. I I tell you, if you're listening to Joel Osteen, it's good for a, a good motivational talk. But not to get good, solid, biblical understanding. Because that is exact. In fact, he has a book titled, My Best Life, or Your Best Life. What is it? No. Yeah, you guys are shaking your head. I I don't know. You know, yeah, it's a leading question. Yeah. Right? No, but listen. There's these itching ears, and we want to hear what we want to hear. Right? We want the same thing. Many times, this is what we want. We want the very thing that these two disciples that had been walking with the Lord for three years wanted. We want to be relieved of this oppression that we feel here on earth by Jesus Christ himself. Again, you could say that they had itching ears to hear that this Jesus would save them and provide for them health, wealth, and overall prosperity in the present time. And according to them, Jesus died, and it was all over. It was all over. We're we're bummed. Yeah, sure, they found the grave empty. Sure, there were a couple other witnesses that went. But we're going to stay in our unbelief. It's over. Let me ask you something. What are you expecting for Jesus to be and has not been? Has that been something that's bummed you out? Oh, as far as my circumstances are concerned, as far as where I find myself, I haven't really seen much of what I want. And so therefore, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm bummed. I don't know, you know, I still think that everything has been all right along the way. But I'm, I'm kind of I'm bummed. Many times, people expect God to do certain things for them so that their lives will be perfect and without any issues. That He would fix all their problems and life would be smooth without any real major issues. But the reality of it is that that wasn't what Jesus promised. In fact, in John chapter 16, verses 31 through 33, this is what he said. Just in preparation. This is all in preparation. He said this. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Peace, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Done. It, for him, it's, it's done. It's a done deal. Peace, be with you, is what he said to his disciples over and over as he appeared to them. Peace, be with you. calm down. There's victory in me. I've not only conquered sin, but I've conquered the grave. I'm here before you. I'm with you. Yes, you will have tribulation. But take heart. That means gird up your loins like a man, right? We need to stand up and know that we are more than victors in Christ. That truly, with Christ, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. There was this disappointment with the dis- this disciples then and there are many times disappointments with jesus's disciples today there are how did jesus respond to their view of a dead redeemer and it was all just wishful thinking sometimes that plagues our thoughts it's wishful thinking that's not faith that is not faith at all in fact see how he responded in luke chapter 24 same chapter Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Prophets, that's the Old Testament. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and All the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. See, that's the other thing. He he acted. He knew exactly what was going to take place and what he desired to take place. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road. And now he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Oh, how awesome is that? Their hearts burned. You know what happens is when we, our eyes are open to who Jesus truly is, and we read the scriptures, and I'm talking from Genesis to maps, all the way through. Okay, that, that was just a test to see if you guys were listening. Genesis to, I know the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. But there's maps in the back of the Bible often. So. Okay. Listen, folks, when you read the Bible, and you see who Jesus is, your heart start to, starts to burn. It's like, oh, what a desire. What, how awesome. Look, he's in Genesis. He's in Exodus. He's in Leviticus. He's in Deuteronomy. He's even in all of these other books. The whole of the Bible. That's him. Your heart just starts to come alive. That's him. That's him. yes. That's, that's As he's walking along, he's like, it's the third day. It's the third day. It's the th- this is who, yeah, the prophet spoke of me. Starting with Moses, let me tell you a little something about this Jesus. He's walking with you. Who Jesus truly is will be revealed more and more through the reading and understanding of the scriptures. So Jesus is alive and speaking Desiring to walk alongside you, each and every one of you, and speak to you. See him for who he is. Let's talk about alternatives. Alternatives, uh, possible, not possible. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. It's the last chapter in the first book of the New Testament. So, Matthew chapter 28. It's odd. The pastor on Sunday, he spoke of everything around the resurrection. This is, <laughs> this is right after the resurrection again. But let's see what happens. Sometimes we miss this stuff, right? Verse 11 of chapter 28. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Casting doubt. Alternative. There's an alternative story. There are many in the world that make every attempt at casting doubt within your heart. It's happening today, every day, all the time. With social media, you're bombarded. Turn on the radio, you're bombarded, billboards even, your friends, our own minds, our own hearts, bombarded, casting doubt, that's what the world does, casting doubt within your heart as to who Jesus truly is, he is alive, having conquered sin and death, there's no question about it, Jesus was not simply seeming to be dead on the cross. And was mistakenly placed in the tomb only to walk out. Do you know that this is a theory? But it's a theory, it's called a theory for a reason. It's empty just as the tomb was empty, it's of no value whatsoever. Not only do we have biblical records, but we also have extra biblical records, historical records, ample historical records. That this indeed took place. The account of Jesus' resurrection was clearly what had taken place. And all at that time knew it. That's why those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They had to, once Jesus asked them, what's going on? What are you talking about? They stopped in their tracks. Are you the only person who doesn't know what's happened here in Jerusalem? You're kidding me. It is common knowledge. This is what they did. These were the religious leaders working together with the government to kind of just stay those who were fanaticals and were bringing up, you know, the facts that Jesus was resurrected. All they had to do in order to squelch it all was one thing. They, they needed to produce one, something very important. What was that? The body. Just produce the body. That's all you had to do. The Roman guards couldn't hold them in the tomb, in the grave. The religious leaders couldn't hold them in the grave. That, that was their desire. That's why they, they sent people there, guards, to seal the tomb and to stand guard. Can you imagine? That'd be like a bunch of seals standing around a guard, a a tomb, today, sealed. Uh, You would not get past them at all. Not at all. This clearly took place, and everyone knew it. But they were still in awe. They were shocked. They were bewildered. And there was doubt. Doubt. Go look for them again. In in fact, let's see what National Geographic says about it. Maybe they have an explanation, which they have many. Mythbusters might. Maybe Mythbusters can check it out to see if it's actually true. What are some possible alternatives to this story? It doesn't seem logical or possible. No, no. It's way beyond that. God does not fit within our box of logic or possibilities. He's outside of that. Outside of that. A person who doubts is the person who doesn't believe, for doubt is the opposite of belief. Even the disciples, who were with Jesus for three years, I remind you again, did not believe. Mark sixteen eleven says, but when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. It's not like the Bible was even trying to cover it up. It's like these knuckleheads right here, They walked with me, and they did not believe it. In Luke chapter 24, verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Come with me over to John chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. So John chapter 20. verse 24 so it's John 20:24 20, now thomas one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when jesus came so the other disciples told him we have seen the lord but he said to them unless i see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side i will never believe okay How many of you are doing that today? Unless he does this, I will never believe. Unless he does that, I will never believe. You know what I mean? We do that. Unless he does, like, jumps through this hoop and, and then goes under this, and then, it's like, then I'll believe. Really? This was Doubting Thomas. You guys know him, right? And who was he? He was a disciple. A disciple of Jesus Christ. Then he said, eight days later. So, eight days later. Eight days had gone by since Jesus' resurrection. resurrection. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were, were locked, just to make things a little bit more difficult, right? Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas... Oh, how many people are looking for an experience? Oh, yeah, And you come to church looking for that. for gold falling from the sky, for a manifestation of the Lord in the clouds in the corner of the sanctuary. for people to start talking in other tongues amongst you. By the way, the Bible speaks very clearly about that. Check out 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Then 13 is the chapter of love. And then 14, we continue. Do not look for those things. Because as Jesus himself said in that final verse there, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Don't look for things. You doubt, ask God to give you belief. To help you understand, to have faith, to grasp this. Are you still looking for alternatives? Are you doubting? Are you looking for experience? Is it possible? Many are doubting today when the Philippian jailer asked um, Paul and Silas, who were in jail, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Their response believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In Acts chapter 16, pride will keep you from salvation. Salvation requires a humble, childlike faith in Jesus Christ. Do you have that unwavering belief that Jesus is the Savior who is alive, having conquered death? Do you believe that? Not looking for anything else. Not looking for, hey, show me your hand. Show me your side. Show me something. No, you read the scriptures and you understand exactly who Jesus is. Do you believe that? Belief in Jesus is not a blind faith, but a confident belief with full knowledge of who he is. He didn't leave anything out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. No questions? Any questions? No, he is who he says he is. C.H. Spurgeon said, quote, The fact of resurrection is not extraordinary. It is in accord with what we who believe at all believe to be the uniform law of life, that death does not touch it. The witnesses to the resurrection of Christ were unprejudiced, unexpectant, incredulous, and their honesty is not doubted even by skeptical, skeptical criticism. Close quote. They were unprejudiced. You know, they said, honestly, these two disciples on the road, they said exactly what they were expecting Jesus to be. Oh, he was much more than that. Much, much more. Unexpectant? Yeah, his death. They didn't understand what he was saying, though, about rising from the grave three days later, although he said it over and over again. No, there are no other alternative explanations it is as it is written. He is risen. Thirdly and finally, Jesus is risen and alive. Back to Luke chapter 24. And now we'll read the account of the resurrection. In Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says, But on the first day of the week, the first day of the week is not Monday, it's Sunday. But on the first day of the week, That the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now the disciples had been told repeatedly by Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 21 and 22 says, And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 31 through 33, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, Plainly. And Peter, being who he was, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Rebuke the Lord. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Oh, wh- we sometimes come to the place to where we're rebuking God. Oh, this ought not be so. That can't be. Allow him to rebuke you. but Why? Because he does it perfectly. He does it in love. He explains to you the things that are true and righteous and good. And we receive them. Just as Peter did. As he looked back at this time and realized what had taken place, I, I can only imagine these were one of the moments that Peter thought about was rebuking the messiah jesus christ the lord now jesus had told him over and over that he would rise again after three days and yet here are the ladies wanting to properly prepare his body for burial because they didn't have time when he had died on the cross remember they had rushed him off to the tomb Here were the disciples moping because their Jesus had been dead for three days now. Thomas was so down that he said, I'll believe it when I see him. The angel had it right when he said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not dead, but alive. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered. The angel did not move away the stone that covered the tomb so that Jesus could get out. He rolled it away so that all could see that he's not there. Let me go ahead and dispatch a, an angel. I only need one. To roll away this big stone from the opening of the tomb that it would normally take several men to do. He'll break the seal of the king at that time. And the angel sat on it. Imagine. They're coming. I know they're coming. He didn't open it and Jesus came out. He was already out. It's not there for us to to go and You know, you go and and you see the tomb. It's like, no, no, he's he's not there. Why do you seek the living among the dead? We, We look sometimes for answers to life among the dead. Those things that have a very short lifespan. So many different things. The angel had it right when he said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? They were there and were having a difficult time believing this to be so, but they did not doubt later as everything came about and Jesus appeared to them over and over and over. John chapter 20 verses 8 through 10, Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first... This is, by the way, John wrote this. Um, he, He wrote, Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first... That's him. So he's saying, I was, I was faster than Peter. I got there before Peter. Just want you to note that, okay? <laughs> but when Peter, we all know how Peter is, but then Peter caught up, and, and he went right into the tomb. Where is he? And then, and then I, I went in, is what John said. And he saw and believed For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. They went back believing, pondering everything. But they didn't fully understand. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene as she wept by the tomb for Jesus. Jesus appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus appeared to disciples that were locked in homes due to fear that the Jews would come after them. Jesus appeared to a doubter, to reassure his faith, and he is appearing to you in whatever need you have to demonstrate to you for you to realize that he is real, he is risen, and he is your Savior. You see, we don't have a God that turns his back, forsakes us no matter what we're going through, no matter if we have cast doubt. Even though we've been walking with the Lord. That's what I find beautiful about the Lord. I keep going back to His grace and wondering, wow, where is that line drawn? It's not drawn. The cross, that's where the power is. The empty tomb is where the power is. What we need to realize is He's there. He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. It doesn't matter what you've done and what you have not done, it doesn't matter if you've been doubting if you've been denying him three times or more. Jesus is not there to condemn you. The Spirit is there to convict you of your sin and lead you to Jesus for you to repent. For God wishes that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Because it's in that repentance that we come to Christ, not away, but we come to Christ and we surrender to him. It's humility before the king. It's falling to our faces before the creator of the universe. The one who designed us and made us in our mother's womb, who knew us before the foundation of the world. It's humbly coming before him and surrendering our lives. And he wishes that all would come to that understanding, that knowledge, What do you see? What do you see this resurrection day? Where are you? Jesus will meet you right where you are. Are you heavy hearted? He is your comforter. Are you defeated? He is your conqueror. Are you doubtful? He is your hope. Are you fearful? He is your strength and confidence. Are you lost? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. Where are you? And who do you see? Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Again, the Bible is very clear. This is the whole reason. He just laid it out. All of this is written so that you... May believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that you, by believing, may know eternal life in Him. That's the whole reason for the book. So, what do you see? C.H. Spurgeon said. If you, can, if, if you have no share in the living Lord, may God have mercy upon you. If you have no share in Christ rising from the dead, then you will not be raised up in the likeness of His glorified body. If you do not attain to that resurrection from among the dead, then you must abide in death. There, there's no in-between. That's a thing. Is we come to a time to where it's explained to us, we understand that there's either salvation in Jesus Christ or condemnation in, in our sin. We remain in it. There's no in-between. There's no place that we can work that out after death. There's a point that salvation is offered to you. It's all by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. Not by works, lest any man should boast. It's all a free gift. And once that that gift is offered, it, it is then our responsibility to respond to it. And we do respond. It's either in the affirmative, yes, I want that, I understand that. I want salvation. I want forgiveness of my sins. I want to understand and know a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. Or it's simply, and I hope it is not, a no. I'm going to walk you through some of these verses and we're we're coming to a close with this. Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved in Romans 10:13 for everyone not just some for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved it's a promise And one last thing, just two verses, and then I'm going to ask you. Um, many of you have already made this confession before Lord, the Lord. You've asked Him to be your Lord, your Savior. But I never want to leave this time without giving you an opportunity to respond to salvation. To being forgiven of your sins. Past, present, and future. To be... To have the certain hope of forever being... In heaven with the Lord. So, I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you understand... What it is that Christ did on the cross for you. He paid for your sins. Because it's sins that... It is our sins that separated us from the Father. And as he paid for our sins... He also died on the third day, rose from the grave... In him, that's why next week we're having the baptism. It's us identifying with Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. We come to new life, fully immersed in the water and coming out of the grave as new creatures in Christ. And I'm going to ask you as we pray, if you for the first time want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, then I would ask you to just raise your hand. I would like to pray for you, okay? But everyone else, eyes closed, heads bowed. It's just in between the person who is raising their hand and the Lord. I would personally just like to pray for those people. Okay? Anyone who is here who would like to recommit their lives to Christ, I would say this is the time this morning. Maybe you find yourselves in the place of some of these disciples, having doubt the different things that we covered, and you just want to recommit your life to the Lord. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that we can come to you through him. At any time, we can not only ask for your forgiveness, And know that you will forgive us of our sins. But also that we can have that fellowship with you. That relationship with you can start at that very moment. And so, Father, right now, with our eyes closed, with our heads bowed, if there is anyone here who would like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God bless you. I would like to surrender their lives to Him. Knowing salvation in Jesus Christ. Please just raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Any recommitments? Anyone who would say, I I find myself with with the disciples. I've been coming to church every now and then. I've it just my heart's not right any recommitments this morning i'd like to pray for you too god bless you anyone else father we thank you for those who have raised their hands before you lord for those who have surrendered their lives to you for the first time We thank you. Lord, we know that the heavens rejoice over one sinner that repents. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. That if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, that although we fall, we can lift our hand to you and you will pick us back up and you will embrace us And you will bring us close. Just as your story goes with the prodigal son. It's a story of your grace, your love. How was it the father ran to that son. Who had blown his inheritance. Just blown it in life. And yet you met him right there. Thank you Lord. That we can turn to you at any time. And you will be there. You truly never turn your face from us in those times but you embrace us and bring us in and so Lord we celebrate this morning for those souls that have been won by you this morning and we can call them brethren and know that we will be in all of your glory worshiping you we thank you Lord that you sent your son to this earth to die in our place and how it was that he conquered sin on the cross and death from the grave. We praise you, Lord. We love you. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If the worship team can come up. Now, for those of you who um, did make first-time commitments, and recommitments and anyone else even if I didn't see your hand uh, I would invite you we have uh, Randy and Stephen in the back Um, I'd like for um, any wives uh, Stephen's and Randy's and mine to be available for you we have Bibles up here we'd like to talk with you for just a few moments just to encourage you in in your walk with the Lord and because we think we believe that that's very important and uh, so as we're uh, singing um, this song Uh, I would invite you to come up and do that. And anyone else who needs prayer at this time, um, let's do that. And then we'll all sing the closing song, right? What do we have? Two more songs. See, yeah. Well, see. (laughs) We're going to all turn around. And all of us, we're going to turn around, we're going to worship together. This is going to be the closing song. For those of you that have made first-time commitments and recommitments, um, come up afterward, okay? We're going to close with this song. He's risen. He's risen indeed. All right.